We ready, Sam? Oh, hey, we missed our time. Afterwards. All right. Not only did you use up all 10 minutes, uh, this is part of that bonus fellowship. We're still paying ransom back from 2020 of the times we didn't have service up here. So bonus fellowship. All right, well, find your way in your Bibles to uh, Acts chapter 7. See, the, the kids never think I'm going to come down and do anything. They think it's safe zone up here to run around. Um, Acts chapter 7. And this is the chapter where we get the record of Stephen being martyred. We're not going to get that far tonight. Uh, going to go through this in two parts, get halfway through. Um, but it begins uh, tonight. Uh, I better pray. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the witness of the Holy Spirit in the history, uh, in the beginning of what you did with your servants. Thank you for the witness and testimony of the apostles, how your Holy Spirit uh, did this working and continued the works of Jesus into the church. And Lord, then the other servants, uh, Stephen and, and uh, Philip, and then as we watch Barnabas, and then we'll see others, and we'll see the work of your Spirit continue. Lord, as we're here tonight, We're asking and praying that your Holy Spirit would teach us, you would equip us, Lord, you would encourage us, that we would see clearly in the scripture uh, the witness that you desire to have to all of mankind, not just the witness of your creation or what you put in each man to know uh, right and wrong, but Lord, the witness of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Lord, thanks for the word of God. We ask you bless our time together by the Holy Spirit tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Now, not too many tangents for me. So a couple things, and, and the first one is this. Uh, the beginning of the witness for Israel by the Holy Spirit concerning what's going to happen for Israel who rejected their Messiah. Uh, clearly, as we've led up to, and again, probably more familiar areas of study, You study the rejection of Jesus as the Messiah, and that's a part of leading up to Jesus Christ being crucified. Now, there's a really big part leading up to Jesus being crucified. It was God's will to send him in that way. Now, after he has risen from the dead, you do understand the Sanhedrin has already begun to resist the witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Find Acts 5.32 as we begin in chapter 7. So just back a couple pages. And we're going there first. God began to work in Jerusalem with the apostles in a powerful way, but it also holds a reference for us. And really, as I come through chapter 7, I do not plan to nor desire to teach nor say specifically that anything like, we should all be martyrs like Stephen. I think it's a misapplication of the scripture. If you study it out, I believe it's a spiritual gift. Martyrdom is a gift of the Holy Spirit that was given unto Stephen. But what we do have in common and what what we reveal in the book of Acts, if you look at the witness, and I'll say it this way, let's, let's go back to 30. And this is before the Sanhedrin. Peter's talking here. He says, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. God has exalted him, 
exalted him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Now you hear that? Repentance of Israel and forgiveness of sins. Now when will that happen? Because I'm here to tell you it hasn't happened by and large. Oh, there are those of Israel who are saved. When will that happen? I do believe that Jesus was very clear that, that they would not see him again until they saw him coming in power and great glory. Zacharias' prophecy describes that God will grant them the spirit of grace and the spirit of supplication, and they will look upon him whom they've pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. A couple things as we come to this witness that Stephen gives unto Israel. Let's not miss 532. It's why we went there. And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Now, when we studied chapter 6, and we saw that calling together and raising up of table servants unto the qualities and characteristics of those that would serve, and we, we took a look at, at, at Stephen, and then we had Philip and Nicanor, and I forget the other four. Isn't that what happens to us? Because the record is not as clear with Stephen and Philip, and we can talk with great detail about the work and witness of the Spirit upon their lives. 532 talks about the Holy Spirit is witness unto Israel concerning Jesus Christ and his resurrection, ascension, and then the, and then the Holy Spirit is given unto those who obey him for what? It, it never changes, and therefore we should not change it. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. That's in red, isn't it? That's Acts 1, and is that 4? That's 8, Acts 1, 8. And as you, you take this tonight, really you could understand this chapter begins with Stephen's witness, or you do understand the word for martyr and witness in Greek. They're, they're out of the same root. He witnesses with his words. He witnesses with his death. Think of the witness of Jesus Christ, Son of God. He witnesses the love of God by dying on the cross. And that's a witness. The Holy Spirit bears witness. So when you're sharing the gospel, share the gospel in the power and the witness of the Holy Spirit as the one that you're talking unto as you're sharing the scriptures with them that they could see and get them to understand that God sent his one and only Son in that way that the Spirit wants to bear witness to the death and resurrection of the Son of God. And uh, we come to this as we study this. And I, I don't know if you, if you would be planning a, a worldwide overtaking of, of really the world concerning the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, would you kill off one of your first servants? Would you spend his life? Would you would you take Stephen's life and and then and would you say, well, yeah, we wouldn't it be more advantageous to have more servants? So again, you see how we think. We think like what more? But what does God do? No, God says witness, right? And we look at the witness tonight concerning Stephen. Let's. Um, oh, I got one more thing. We'll get back to that. I have one more thing tonight. And when it's time, you guys, when I say, what was that one thing? And then you guys say, or you say to me, what was that one thing? We'll go back to it. 
Okay? Concerning the witness to Israel. Acts 7. Then said the high priest, are these things so? Stephen is before the Sanhedrin glowing. His face looks like the face of an angel. I don't know if you've ever seen anything like that. I have not. And, you know, we maybe don't think much of it now because now we got light shows and we got special effects and CGI. And we don't think about supernatural things because we think what we watch on TV is supernatural. His face is shining, looking like an angel. And I don't know if the high priest could even, like, keep his words. Like, he just says, are these things so? We watch an open door. God here uses Stephen shining in the glory of God. I believe there's that that's... Uh, face like an angel, I think that's the only way to understand it, that he, his appearance has changed. Right? Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, his appearance changed. When he's on the cross, the prophecy was Jesus' visage was so marred. Again, I believe, like even like saying his appearance changed because he was beaten so badly, pulled out his beard. All, see, there's a witness of a transformation that really is taking place. Now, we come to this, and, and we look at this, and the high priest, again, this is the high priest of Israel, the Sanhedrin, asking a table waiter, are these things so? Now, the context is Stephen opens this up. Really, for us, he, he says, he knows, he just says, brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Haran and said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to the land that I will show you. Now, has God ceased giving his witness to Israel in this world? Absolutely not. In fact, we live in such exciting days that we have a country named Israel once again forming together and then the regathering together from some 300 plus nations in the world where Israel was scattered unto, the Jews scattered, and those of Judah, as they were dispersed, are called Jews. That's where the name came from. They belong to Judah. It's a contraction, southern kingdom of Israel. They've been scattered all over. Now they're back. And this witness to Israel, it's not over yet. In Stephen's day, the witness comes and he, he begins to, to say this. And the witness at that time frame is, I believe, Holy Spirit witness. Like Peter standing before the Sanhedrin, giving witness, and Peter even tells them, is it right to obey you or God? You decide. And that's that whole part, because he's given witness to Israel concerning their, their own Messiah that they've rejected. Now, it's fun to go to Israel. I mean, there's a whole lot of fun and travel, and I, I, can, I, I can't say it another way than this. It's the only place on this planet that you can go, and the Bible that you've been reading all these years, you go there, and it's like, this happened here. It does something to you because it's no longer separated from like here we are in Grand Forks or, you know, you, you think about maybe you spent your entire life in one county or you've got to travel the world and there's still no place like it that has a witness of the truth that they have record archaeologically. But then there's also this record of the Jew himself that they exist and that God is doing this work, Stephen's witness is, is right in line with what Jesus told them it would be. And I don't think Stephen was there. Twice he told the apostles what then that they will gather you into the synagogues, you'll come before magistrates, authorities, right? they're going to lay hands on you, they're going to persecute you, they're going to deliver you up, and that's Stephen. However, Stephen wasn't there with Jesus. Stephen coming later, he, he falls into the same truth 
And this is what I love about it. He gives his testimony. He gives his witness. And he begins to witness just like Jesus said. The Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you are to say. He did not. I, again, I, I look at this whole thing. He did not rehearse. Now, if I was going to be in front of the Sanhedrin, right, the equivalent of the not-so-supreme court, okay, so why do I say it that way? Because they are grasping for what is right and wrong. There's a real battle over what's true. And same way that day concerning Jesus Christ and the witness. So here the Holy Spirit teaches Stephen what to say. That's why we pay so much attention to Acts 7. The Holy Spirit taught Stephen to say these things to Israel. And then the other thing, as Jesus said, he says, you're going to be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. In other words, evidence given as a witness that testifies his testimony, he actually gives witness to the Sanhedrin, the rulers of Israel, in that current day, and he gives them a history lesson, Holy Spirit history lesson. Now, I don't know what you would plan to say to those who already know what you're going to say, except they don't know what he's going to say, but the Holy Spirit wants to witness. Now, study church history. Right? Isn't, isn't that a great understanding to come to? We, in this day and age, should not be unaware of the state of the church and why it is the way it is and all the branches. And there is a witness, if you will listen, there's a witness to the Holy Spirit. You do understand a portion of the church stopped teaching the Word of God. A portion of the church stopped teaching you must be regenerated. Some taught baptism for regeneration. Some taught and they began to teach other things. Some even then brought in heresy. And this is only like, like 30 years or 60 years into the church. These early heresies began. And so there is a witness of that which is true and remains and where we find it in the word of God. And Stephen, again equivalent, he goes back to Abraham. And this is about, for him, 1,500 to 2,000 years before him. And he starts to witness to Israel. We should have a very clear witness of the Spirit from the beginning of the book of Acts. We should be able to understand all these things that have been done in the name of religion, and we should easily be able to give a testimony of the power of the Spirit of God to witness that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Think of communion, which we're going to share tonight. What is the real thing Jesus gave and taught for us in communion? We declare his death till he comes. Because there would probably come a time when men would not want to listen to the truth, but they would heap up for themselves teachers who would just scratch an itch in regards to, tell us something either new, tell us something about ourselves, tell us something, tell us about something else. And again, the witness was what we are given to remember him by, that he died and he rose again. Well, the witness to Israel right, begins with God of glory appearing to Abraham. King of kings, Lord of lords, that's how we know Jesus. But you start thinking in terms, how do you describe God to those of the Sanhedrin? And, and the Holy Spirit gives a witness, the God of glory, the God of heaven. That's you. Where Jesus ascends to the right hand, Peter's already witnessed that, God of glory, God of heaven, Jesus at his right hand, the God of glory, same one who appeared to Abraham when he was way over out in the east, way over by Elam, in the, what is it, what they always say about that? In the beginning of civilization, Mesopotamia. That's what you're taught in your history book, right? But who's got the flood right? 
Peter warned us in the end, scoffers would come and they would, according to their, their, their ways, they would look at things. And the scoffers, again, the way it's written is in the context of those who are of the faith would begin to scoff about the witness of the flood and forget that there was a time on the other side of the flood when man was in his heart to do evil continually. You understand, days of Noah, days of Lot, days of Son of Man, we have a witness right now. Don't back down. And if you thought Lot was this, you know, this, you know, this coward of a man, read the New Testament record on him and said that, that Lot was vexed in his soul concerning the wickedness of the place where he was living in Sodom and Gomorrah. What they did there was an abomination unto him. Now, we come to this place of this witness of, you think about, about Noah, you think about the witness of Lot. Stephen, in his day, in his audience, it's Israel. Now, we can handle that one too, right? If you travel to Israel and you get a chance to witness, what are you going to talk about? Are you going to talk about America, the history of America? No. You're going to witness, well, I, things like this. Do you know where you live? What I saw today, I saw the Bible. And you go right over, and right over here, probably where Jesus was crucified. And this tomb over, do you know where you live? I mean, you, you understand the witness. Now, we come to this place with Stephen, and as, as he begins to describe the call of Abraham, the God of glory called Abraham. One man on the earth that we know of, the record is God calls him. How do you hear God? We don't know. He heard God. Here Stephen says, he appeared to him. What's Stephen saying? The same God that appeared to Abraham is the same God that sent his son, is the same God that I'm telling you about now, is the same God that, that I'm witnessing to you about. And he starts to talk about God of glory and his son. But first he's just going to give this lesson to Israel. Abram came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved to this land which you now dwell. Now, you can, you can look at the call of Abraham back in Genesis and you can look. He was called and he, and he comes out and he does all the things. What does Stephen say? Stephen said he made it halfway. And he was still with his family. Oh, they moved from Mesopotamia. They came to Haran. Haran is on the edge. It's as, it's as close as Abraham could get to where he was supposed to go without leaving the, the Babylonian territory. He's on the border now. And again, I believe if you calculate it out, I believe it's 25 years that before he actually then gets up and moves again after his dad dies, then he gets up and he finally goes into the promised land. And, and that place where, where they now dwell, God gave him no inheritance, so Abraham had no inheritance when he was there, not even enough to set his foot on, but even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to him for a possession and descendants after him. Now, I absolutely love this place called Elon Moray. And you can look up Moray. Look up Moray in your Bibles. M-O-R-E-H is how it usually comes into our English Bibles. And there were, there were trees there, notable trees. I believe they were oak trees, I think, uh, in Moray or at Oaks of Mamre. I forget the, the exact name. But it's the place where once Abraham does get into the promised land, you know the witness, God says to him, he says, look north, look south, look east, look west. He says, look everywhere around you, this is the land that I've promised unto you. Very wonderful place to go to. Now you would think, right? Again, reason it all through. Stephen, witness of the Holy Spirit. I mean, let's face it, Abraham, it took him 25 years to get out of his country, and then he still took Lot with him. Okay, you get this. 
And you think 25 years, he gets to the place, God says it, this is the place, there you go, Abraham. End of the fairy tale, happily ever after. However, it doesn't go that way. In 6 and 7, Stephen says that God spoke to Abraham in advance and he spoke to the children of Israel in this way. They're going down to, they're going down to Egypt for, for 400 years in a foreign land and they're going to be in bondage and they're going to be oppressed 400 years. Now we talk about hope, right? What, how do you handle hope when you're told you're going to be a slave for 400 years? You're going to be oppressed. I mean, you do see why when the children of Israel began to cry out, this is fulfillment of time and oppression. We think about what we're in right now, waiting for the Lord to come back. Peter said, these are days of long suffering. This long suffering means salvation. Second Peter, what is that, 3.15, if I have the right reference. Somewhere right in there, and he, t- he says it twice. How we come to this witness and we watch this witness and we have a witness, right? If we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit wants to witness to to those in your life. He wants to witness to your neighbors. The Holy Spirit wants to give a witness to the church, the different branches of church. He wants to give a witness to all mankind because God is not desiring that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Where are we at? We are living in these days that our witness is very close now that the Lord's returning. Now, I grew up not wanting the Lord to return. Now I can't wait for him to return, so to speak. But while we're here, we have this witness. Now, in that 400 years down, what God did to seal all that by promise, let's face it, God of glory called Abraham, he heard him, and all of Israel exists because of that. And then he gives him a covenant And Stephen references circumcision in verse 8, and he gave him that covenant of circumcision. Abraham begot Isaac. Well, did you do more math? So he actually had the covenant of circumcision 13 years before Isaac is even born. That's, he still has to wait. Now you start to see where this goes. Not only does he not get the promised land, in fact, God waits until Sarah is too old to have babies naturally, And this is that thing of that supernatural work. And God does it this way. And then we know, and Stephen gives witness, that Jacob begot the 12 patriarchs. And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. The dark part of their history that they don't really want to talk about. Because when you're remembering just how good we are and how wonderful, I mean, Abraham heard God. Now, there's this place in modern-day Israel right by Hebron, a whole group of people, I believe, by the spirit of Antichrist, which are trying to do what many in Israel today are trying to do. Can't we all just get along? Let's bring together, through Abraham, all the peoples of faith. Let's bring the, let's bring the Muslims who believe in Abraham. Let's bring the Jews who believe in Abraham. And let's bring the Christians who believe in Abraham. And let's bring them all together. So they put on display at the wells of Abraham. They do a little... You can kind of walk along on these screens, and, and they've got it set up pretty nice, where you can walk along with Abraham as he takes Isaac up to the mountain to kill him. Genesis 22 is before your eyes. You're walking Genesis 22. And yet they come to the end of that whole thing, and then their spiel is that Abraham, he is for us an example of faith, And they don't witness the Holy Spirit. They don't talk about, it's Genesis 22. And we talk Genesis 22. We're like, God will provide himself a sacrifice. The only son, the only son, take your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go up to the mountain. And we start, we start saying, that's Jesus. And yet in the middle of all that, that group that put that together begins to witness things like 
man's goodness and man's ultimate faith and trust in the goodness of man and, and the faith in Abraham together, we can bring this back together. Listen, spirit of Antichrist is pushing unity too. Now, we don't push unity. As believers, everyone born of God, we have unity in the spirit. I love it. I love meeting believers that I haven't met before, and it's like you know them already. And you're like, you have the Holy Spirit. You're, you're born of God. In this witness of that envy, and they sold Joseph into slavery, and as, as they, they delivered him, and then we find out later on that that's actually God's plan. They delivered him out of all of his troubles, gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. That story in itself is a witness of God sending Joseph down through suffering, through affliction, that God would send one of his own into suffering and into the pits and then through revelation and the knowledge and wisdom of God that he would be exalted to that place. And that's what Stephen talks about. Joseph became king of Egypt, or excuse me, governor over Egypt and all his house. And then famine and trouble, great trouble came all over the land of Egypt. Did you ever put that together before? Seven years of plenty, but seven years of great trouble. Do you see the Holy Spirit witnessing to Israel concerning the future? See, Israel has seven years of great trouble coming upon them in that time, fulfilling that 70th week of Daniel. This to me is exciting stuff by the Holy Spirit. So not only do you see that, Joseph right, foreshadows Israel going through the great tribulation. Now, we find out that, that Jacob uh, heard there was grain in Egypt, right? They're starving, they're starving in the promised land, still don't have anything there. All they have is promises. That's all they have. But isn't that worth everything? He sent her fathers first, and then the second time Joseph was made known to his brothers. Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And in this reference and witness of the Holy Spirit for Israel, do you know what Stephen, his witness and his testimony Understanding Israel, what he's saying is, he says, the first time around you missed that Joseph was Lord. Okay, They sold him as a slave. They thought him dead. All of a sudden they're before him. They're already bowing down to him, fulfilling the prophecy that he told them in Genesis 37. That Remember the vision of the sheaves of wheat? That mom and dad, and they all bowed down, and then the sun, moon, and the stars, they all bowed down to Joseph. What, what is this? It's the clear reference. Joseph becomes a type, right, of being Lord of all. He was, he was Lord in Egypt, and in the world, they were all sent down there, and they missed it. And then the second time, he revealed him. Now, that's a witness to Israel, because what's Stephen now saying? The Messiah has come, and you rejected him. You did not receive him as Lord. You did not receive him as the Messiah. And he says, you rejected him. You rejected Joseph first. You're just like your fathers. You re Everybody loves to hear that, right? And they rejected him the first time around. Second time he was made known. Stephen continues with Joseph's life in verse 14. Then Joseph sent and called his father Jacob and his relatives to him. 75 people. You do realize they are not a nation Israel. In all the years, all the times of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 75 people go into Egypt. Now, if you 
catch it carefully, Stephen's actually counting Joseph and those that are already there. So it's, it's great to look at the way the Holy Spirit counts that. It says Jacob went down to Egypt and he died there. So that means Abraham had no inheritance. Isaac had no inheritance. And a side note, Isaac is the only one who never left the promised land. Child of promise. Again, just I, I don't find these things to be coincidence. The one that, that Isaac is the child of promise and he receives that promise. And he lives probably of all of them the, the, the simplest life. And he never leaves the promised land. What a witness of the promise of God that Isaac never has to go out for a famine. You know, he doesn't, oh wait, does he, he went to Gerar for a while, didn't he? And then he was back. But Gerar is within the promised land. Egypt is outside of the promise. Gerar is controlled by another inside the promised land. Now, we come to this place of that witness of what takes place. And when Jacob was, when Jacob died down in Egypt, you remember the story? A great accompaniment of of Egyptians and all of, of Joseph's uh, brothers, they all go up and bury him. They bury him in the promised land. Now Stephen here gives witness to Shechem, and they laid him in the tomb that Abraham bought for a sum of money from the sons of Hamor, father of Shechem. And the time of the promise drew near, which God swore to Abraham. The people grew and multiplied till another king arose who did not know Joseph. Now some believe that was actually an Assyrian who came to rule over Egypt. Rather interesting as you look at history. How we come to this place of, we just covered 400 years. We just covered 400 years. And now the time frame in which God would fulfill those 400 years, we watch what God begins to do. And speaking of that Pharaoh, that man dealt treacherously with our people. Now again, I believe this also is a foreshadowing of how the Antichrist will come at that time and he will deal treacherously with the children of Israel, yet future. They oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so they might not live. At that time, Moses was born. Now, here the witness of the Holy Spirit, and when, again, if you'll catch it, deals with Abraham not getting to where he needed to be the first time. And when he had the promises of God, he didn't receive it the first time around. He didn't receive the inheritance. Joseph, they rejected him the first time around. You're starting to catch the Holy Spirit theme? Stephen is witnessing you have rejected the Messiah the first time around. Now, later they received Joseph. Abraham ultimately receives the promises again through his descendants. Moses was born at that time. It says he was well-pleasing. It is so interesting to, to catch the the squabble on the rabbi internet, not our internet, but the writings of the rabbis way back where they would talk about that well-pleasing and they, they started to make stories of just how beautiful Moses was, a beautiful baby. And he was so beautiful that when people looked at him, and they, they start making these things. But the witness is God had a call upon Moses' life. God raised him up just like he sent Joseph down, just like he called Abraham. You're starting to hear this? God of glory at certain points called Abraham, and then Isaac was born in a certain way, and then Jacob, who had gone away, he came back. They're down to Egypt. Joseph sent in a particular way. Moses raised up in a particular way. In the days when all the baby boys were to be killed, he makes it through. He makes it through. He was in his father's house for three months. If you've seen a three-month-old, 
they start to grow and then they start to make a lot more noise, harder to hide. Okay, And at that point, he was set out. Three months old, set out. Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own. Well, did I miss the verse? No, Stephen doesn't, Stephen doesn't account it. We know how did Moses make it through. An ark. So now you catch the witness that goes back to Noah. How were they saved through water? Moses was in an ark, and the same thing, she, they daubed it with pitch. It becomes a great witness now for the Sanhedrin who's listening, for us who, who listen to these things. Do you see that God has always had a plan of salvation? So we can talk about Joseph being Lord, right? The witness was in advance. They would bow down to him. You bow down to a Lord. What's the witness from the beginning of Moses' life? What's the witness of Moses? That he would be the Savior of Israel. And that's that, that's that witness. Moses grew up learning all the wisdom, learned all the wisdom of the Egyptians, mighty in words and deeds when he was four years old. He's going to do something about it. He sees his brethren in slavery. What's he going to do? Well, he sees an Egyptian man fighting. He goes to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. And look at the witness. Stephen says, for he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver him by his hand, but they did not understand. When you read your Bible, deliverer, salvation. It's the equivalent word. Moses is the deliverer. Moses saves Egypt, and now you start to see this. So Moses, right, supposing that they would see it, he starts to act, and he's bold. I mean, you need to understand, him taking the life of an Egyptian, this is a bold move, and, and if Israel, he's, he's hoping they would suppose that he is their deliverer. They did not understand. The next day, two of Israel, right, they appeared appeared two of them as they were fighting, and he tried to reconcile them, saying, You're brethren. Man, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong, the offender, he pushed Moses away, saying, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Now, let's listen to that. The rejection of the one who was sent to be the Savior. And that's the witness of the Holy Spirit. And he says, Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptians yesterday? Do you listen to the witness of the gospel? And how many today think that when Jesus comes back, he's coming back because he just wants to kill everybody? Or should we now call down fire from heaven? Jesus like, do you know what manner of spirit you are? The Son of Man did not come to, to destroy, but he came to save. And this is the witness. Now, you'll notice in that rejection, Moses flees, and Stephen gives that record in 29. Moses fled, became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. Forty years passed. Now, can you imagine? You, you do realize 40 years ago, not all this stuff that's now going on in the world was going on. Ezekiel 38 and 39, we're still holding it out. They're like, that's a prophecy that must be fulfilled. And you'd read the book of Revelation, like one day all people would be able to look upon this and and we, you, 40 years, and like, can you imagine the things that have been revealed concerning the prophecies that are to be fulfilled? Just 40 years. 
while this is all taking place, Moses is 40 years out in the wilderness learning how to tend a flock. Because not only is he going to deliver them, he has to do what? He's going to need to tend and care for and lead. And you thought that conflict that those two had was trouble? Then he's got all these conflicts to deal with out in the wilderness. But he learns to be a shepherd. Now that God of glory that appeared to Abraham, now Stephen gives record after 40 years, angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush. Can, I just, this, I, can God, I mean, can God send someone? Could he send Joseph down? Could he? And you get, the, you get the witness. So he's out there in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. Moses saw it, marvels at the sight, draws near to observe the voice of the Lord. So the angel appears to him, and then the voice of the Lord comes, and, and look what God says. He says, I am the God of your fathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. Covenant God, God of glory who called. Again, what's Stephen witnessing? Same God. And this is, this is, this is really what Israel has to face. Because the witness is in testimony that God has given of his son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God has given a witness of Jesus Christ. The, the, the record, it's written down how Jesus came to be. The testimony of the witness of the supernatural birth of Jesus. All this is written. It's all there for Israel to see. Stephen takes them all the way back and shows them the same God who called them, spoke to Moses out of that bush. Moses trembled and dared not look. Lord said to him, take your sandals off, you're on holy ground. And then look what he says, I have surely seen the oppression of my people. Now, I'll lay it out for you. Stephen, right? Beginning, church, right in that time period, first 40 years of the church, certainly. Stephen does not make it into the first 40 years of the church. His life is taken as a witness. God is patient to wait. God, precious in the sight of the Lord, are the death of his saints. That call to be martyred to give a witness. How many have given a witness to various people groups in this world? How about those who would go to the tribes who knew not of God, but they were killing and eating other people? Again, where does that come from? That was not that way in the beginning. God made them. And, and so here they are sinning and worshiping, you know, whatever as a God and taking lives and eating other people. And what does God do? He sends his people to give a witness to the God who made all things. I mean, this is incredible to see. This is really what's consistent. So these 40 years have passed. He's before God on holy ground. And God says what? I've surely seen the oppression of my people. God is patient. Moses saw the oppression 40 years ago. What's God wait another 40 years? We could have been out of here 40 years ago. Right? No problem with God fulfilling prophecy. We were not waiting for something to happen to be raptured. Is that true? The imminent return of Jesus Christ, even today, there's nothing that has to happen biblically, prophetically, that's hindering God from taking and capturing, you know, rapturing, catching away his church. Absolutely nothing in the way. Could have happened that time. But what is God? He's patient. I mean, just, just think of what's happened in the last, in this month, that, that now each state can actually choose not to kill their babies in the womb. But the other side of that is just think of how many states are going to do what? Choose to kill the babies in the womb and outside. Is it any different than the tribes who knew not God that were killing one another? We think ourselves sophisticated, civilized, I mean, let's face it, the atrocities 
in the world that have happened in the last 150 years have happened at the hands of those who, by the world's you know, measurement, we would say they were a civilized people. See, what is the witness to the world? All have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. We need a Savior. We are to cry out. And as we're crying out, God is patient. He's waiting. Keep crying out. We need a Savior. We need Jesus come and to come and do this. And so the witness, back to this, right? He heard their groaning, and he said what? Have come down to deliver them. And he says, I'm sending you to Egypt. Now, when God puts a call upon your life to be a witness unto Jesus Christ, he gives the Holy Spirit. Why do we need to be regenerated? So we can be saved. We, as flesh, cannot inherit the promises of God. If you're not born again, that, that's a very serious thing between you and God. Say, God, I need to be born of your spirit. And I need to take those two steps, repent and receive. Being born again now, the Holy Spirit, second experience to come upon you that you could bear witness to Jesus Christ to everyone in your life. Not by the wonderful disposition that you now have or the wonderful disposition you don't have, whatever that might be, but to the witness of the truth of Jesus Christ. Moses was rejected. He shows up. This Moses, Moses whom they rejected, saying, Who made your ruler and judge? is the one that God sent to be ruler and deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. So catch the witness. Moses, whom they rejected, God calls him, right, and sends him right back to be that which they rejected, Jesus Christ, Son of God. They rejected him as the Messiah. This is about a 2,000-year-long rejection. And that's where Israel's at today. That witness to Israel, and again, you're planning... How would God allow his own people, Israel, to reject him for so long? Well, he put him 400 years in affliction. God uses things. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And this is what I wanted to share with you. Romans 11, 36. Well, 33. Romans 11, 33. Now, we have Stephen's witness and testimony. He leaves it off in 36 and 37 for them that Moses went into Egypt and through signs and wonders and miraculous power saved Israel out of Egypt. Second time around, mighty working power of God, they believed and received God's deliverance for them. God said he would save them. He sent a savior. He sent Moses. He sent a deliverer. I'm not saying Moses is the savior of the world. But in this Joseph's life, you have the rejection of Israel rejecting the first time around the lordship because Joseph becomes in that a prophecy, a typology prophecy of Jesus. Moses is a typology prophecy of Jesus. They rejected the Savior the first time around. What's the Bible revealing? When Jesus comes back, what will Israel do? They're going to receive their Messiah. Paul lays this out in Romans 11.33, and this is his conclusion. And he says it this way, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Everything Stephen taught them was not book learned. 
their seminary degrees at the yeshivas in Jerusalem producing good Sanhedrin, good governance, right? Could not comprehend the wisdom and the witness of the Holy Spirit from a table waiter. Because he had believed and received and by the Spirit of God. And, and Paul lays it out clearly concerning Israel. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How, un, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? So I just gave a simple example of if you were putting this thing together, you'd keep Stephen, wouldn't you? You'd keep a guy like that to continue on in works and faith and power. But what's God doing? His wisdom and his ways of past finding out. His witness to his own people, Israel, is so important to him that we know what happens for Stephen. After that witness, they kill him. Who has given God a counsel? Nobody has. Who is first, who is first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? God knows, owes no man anything. He has done right by every created soul. Now we come to this place, for of him and through him and to him are all things. Now that's, you see where Paul goes at the end of Romans 11? The witness to Israel is complete. There's no new witness. There's, they're going to come, when the, when the false Messiah comes, Israel is going to do what with the false Messiah? They're going to follow after him. They are so ready for the Antichrist. They are tired of not having peace. They are tired of not having a unity government in Israel. There is so much turmoil right now in present-day Israel over what we should do, what we should not do. Should we give up land? Should we? And they, I mean, everything is being staged to set for one to come on the scene and say, Israel, you can have peace with your neighbors. We'll give you the temple. You can have your temple and, and Islam. Islam can still have their Al-Aqsa Mosque. And this is how this is going to lay out. And what's Israel going to do? They're going to point to the false Messiah. Now, all this is written. And what's Stephen doing from the beginning? What's Paul saying to them? He says, the Lord in his patience has given a witness to Israel. And at the right time and in the right way that God did this, and you could study their entire history, and it's, it's also for the world. God has sent forth his son. What's the greatest witness to the world? God who made all things sent his one and only son into the world. Jesus is not created. Right? Jesus is begotten of God. He's one with God. He is God. And he became man. And this is that witness. So we come to communion tonight. And that's really where I want to bring us to. And the witness of the death of Jesus Christ. The world rejected him the first time around. And think of what happened. After he was risen from the dead, after the witness of his resurrection, after Jesus is alive again from the dead, that's when the Holy Spirit is given. That's when the disciples are born of him as God breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. And that's when the, through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ will go out. It wasn't just words. It was the power of the gospel that brought salvation from faith to faith. And it's that power of which we recognize. And the witness is the Son of God has come 
The world rejected him. The world killed him. But God, according to his foreknowledge and plan and the way that he did that, he preordained from the, before the beginning of the world that Jesus would die on the cross to bring salvation. The world that rejected the Savior the first time around, the world that rejected the Lordship of Jesus Christ the first time around. You would think God's chosen people of Israel, they'll know what's going on. And that's the witness that Stephen gives. So here we are tonight to remember Jesus. So let's uh, receive communion together. Ransel and John, can you pass uh, out the communion, please? And um, is this, this is Welch's tonight, Ransel? Yeah, okay. Right, so let's pass that out. Receive the, the bread and the cup, and then um, we'll, we'll partake together.